Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Corona Light. So I had an unusual experience the other day. I was eating at my favorite fish place, eating there for years, and I looked in the center of the table and finally noticed that on every table was a bottle of Corona Light with a perforated plastic cap filled with salt. I have one here, and I borrowed that. I borrowed that. I did not steal that. (laughs) I went by and told him that I needed it for a sermon illustration. So, you know, not what it was made for, right? So I got to looking at that bottle of Corona light with salt in it, and now you're stuck with it. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus goes through what's called the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and a bunch of things that are blessed. You do these things, if you are these things. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he goes into all these things you're blessed about, and then he says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And he goes on to say, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, salt and light. So what's the big deal about salt and light? Why would he tell us we're blessed of all these things and then all of a sudden call us salt and light as Christians? The properties of salt, and if you go back way back, salt was used to actually pay soldiers with it was so valuable. Why is salt so valuable? You say it brings taste to your food, yes, but it was also used as a preservative. So if guys would go fishing, they'd come back with a boatload of fish, they'd have to not get it on ice because there's no ice, they'd have to get it on salt pretty quick because that salt would preserve it. I was in a hospital the other day visiting a friend and you get in there long enough and you know you don't want to go down the vending machine so I found these little drawers under the coffee maker out in the deal and I, all these drawers are filled with crackers and peanut butter and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be fine. So I didn't really think about it. There was some graham crackers and I got one of those and I went back and there was some little long rectangular shaped crackers that I usually like and I grabbed one of the, opened it up without reading anything and started eating it. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And I looked at the package and it's sodium free, right? So what that means is you're chomping cardboard basically. You know, it's like particle board, like blah, right? Why was it so horrible? 
it was tasteless. So what do we provide the world as Christians? Jesus says salt. The interesting about salt is you can't salt salt. You say, well, I got a bad batch of salt. It doesn't taste. I'll put some salt on the salt. You can't do that. Either you got it or you don't. So how do you get it? You get him. And once you have him in your life, you go back and read Matthew 5 and those things we just read, blessed if you do these things. So these are the people that we are supposed to be in the world. We're these people that are poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger, thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers. We're persecuted. Now let me tell you something. If you're living the Christian life, you're being salt and light, you're gonna be persecuted. When's the last time you were persecuted? For righteousness sake. Not for being a fool, not for being stupid, an idiot, but for literally taking a stand for righteousness. You say, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'll give you an idea. Next time something comes up in our country, wherever you are, about abortion, take a stand and throw Jesus in there while you're at it. Oh, well, people will be mean to me. What do you think that is? You're not being mean when you present your case or just throw out there that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Share your faith. Let them know this is their only hope and see what comes back. They'll call you, you're a crazy person, narrow-minded, bigoted, you know, just come up with all the words that get thrown around today just for believing something. So he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the ones that are gonna be out there. Now see, we try to say, well, no, it's Jesus. Where do you think he is? Well, he's in heaven. Yeah, but one of those answers usually comes back, he's in my heart. Well, if he's in your heart, he should be manifest in your life or something's not working. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. And by the way, if you go back, and I'm not going to retake the time, Leviticus chapter 2, Ezekiel 43, even in the Old Testament sacrifices, these sacrifices, some of them were not made without salt. So even in the sacrificial system, whether back then or in our lives, salt is involved. As it turns out, though, we are the salt. Then he goes into this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand. You say, well, duh, you wouldn't. No one goes out and buys a lamp and then buys a bubble black lampshade to put over the light. So when you turn it on, you can't see the light. It's only for inside of the black bubble. You know, who would waste their time on that? Who's it giving light to? Exactly. Nor do they light the lamp, put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, this is where it gets tricky for people because they say, well, I thought it wasn't about works. Now, listen really closely. Works will not get you into heaven, but once you know you're going to heaven, part of the manifestation of a Christian life is that there are works that come out of that life. There are things that you're going to be, but there are also things that you're going to do because God has taken up residence in your life. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And you say, okay, well, how am I supposed to be salt and light in this world? What am I supposed to do? I'll give you a very specific example, and honestly, you're not going to like some of this. I'm just reading scripture, so if you don't like it, I just work here. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So this is pretty intense and not a good situation. Verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. So you guys have gotten so whacked that some guy is sleeping with his father's wife. Like, who does that? And then he says, the Gentiles aren't even doing this. So what are you doing? Okay, now this is inside the church. 
and you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For indeed, as absent in the body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So let's say someone in the church is involved in some crazy sin. In this case, a sexual sin. And the person won't repent. You go to them by yourself, two other people, throw them out, you know, the church discipline. You go through all this. Well, what is Paul saying to do if they won't change? Literally turn them over to Satan for what purpose? So that their flesh is destroyed. Now, here's what I would encourage you to ask yourself. Are you living some kind of life that if you were found out and you refused to repent, and as a Christian, the church said, dude, this is not going to work. You know, some woman, you can't live this way. And you say, well, I don't care what you say. And we said, okay, our last resort here is to turn you over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Would you be okay with that? You know what? Sadly, there are people who say, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you can't stop me. You're right about that. I can't stop you, but I know someone who can. I just don't recommend messing with a holy God. You say, well, the world's changed. Let me tell you something. He hadn't changed. And he's merciful because we're all still here. I promise you we will get to heaven and you'll say hi to somebody and say, dude, what happened to you? Oh, sleeping with my dad's wife. Wow, we didn't know that. Yeah, somebody tried to help me with that and I got my number pulled. It wasn't good. I personally know a man, a pastor who is dead now and this is what happened to him. Would not repent. Other pastors went to him. Everybody tried everything they could and he died. You say, well, he died of natural causes. If sin is a natural cause, I guess so. Now you say, well, where is he? Oh, I guarantee he's in heaven. Look at the rest of this verse. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So yeah, your number get pulled, you still go to heaven, but listen to me. You're not supposed to be dying before you're supposed to be dying. Why would you try to live? Why would you try to take care of yourself? Why would you try to be healthy? Because there's work to be done. Once you become a Christian, there's work to be done. So let's go to work and let's stay here and work as long as we have, because it's the only life we got. You say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Then what are you doing? I'm just chilling. I'm just hanging out till Jesus comes. You know, he's blessed with me all this stuff. Look, I get all the blessing mess. It's way past God just blessing you. There are people to reach, their lives to change. You are the salt. Back to my Corona bottle. So this bottle of salt on the table sits there. It's sanitary, sealed, not doing anything. But it does no one any good until someone walks in that restaurant with a plate of food and does what? Starts dumping this salt on that food. You say, well, my gosh, the poor salt, it's in a safe place and all contained and clean and you're, look what you're doing, you're dumping it in that food. It doesn't do any good in the bottle. So you say, okay, God, I get it. I am the salt of the earth. So I submit myself, I yield my life, pick me up anytime, may look like an old beer bottle to everybody else, but I know you're in here and you can use me, so use me. Then he starts pouring your life out into the world and they go, wow, 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 these crackers are different. I'm not talking about white people. Like these, these uh, sorry, that got out woo, really fast. <laughs> So all of a sudden, their bland, tasteless life just going through the motions, trying to do whatever they're doing, and bam, they get a hit of that salt and go, what is that? And you go, that's Jesus. Where'd you get that? I've been chewing on this stale old life of mine. Where did you get that? 
That's what we're supposed to be about. And you say, well, how does that preserve a society? Because if you remove all the salt, you remove all of the Christians from a place, you say, well, it's going to go on. It's not going to go on. And it's not going to go well. You say, how do you know that? Because we are the salt of the earth. That's what he said. Take any workplace environment, anywhere you want to pick. You go into that office. You let me go through that office, and I'm going to pull every Christian that works out of there. I guarantee you that place will almost disintegrate. Because when the jokes are told and no one's there to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that. So all of a sudden, anything goes. A bunch of guys or girls for that matter say, hey, after work, you know, we're going to a strip club. You want to go? And you say, you know what, I got to get home to my wife, but I'll see you guys tomorrow. Then all of a sudden, there's just that little bit of correction in there. And they go, okay, wait a minute. He's going home to his wife. Why am I not going home to my wife? And what am I doing? And then they have somewhere to bounce it off of instead of just anything goes. The boundaries are off. There's no fences anymore. And a Christian comes in, not just with a bunch of rules and boundaries, but with a life, with a tasteful life, an appealing life. And then that creates some thirst, some hunger, some thirst for righteousness in these people around us. And then we're ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us, because that's what we're supposed to be ready to do. And then it gets fun. Not saying there's not suffering, but it's a completely different way to live. Now, keep reading this same passage. Verse six, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So in the same way that salt gives taste, a little salt gives a lot of taste to a big plate of food, a little leaven will leaven an entire lump of bread in a negative way he's using here. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. In other words, get the evil parts out and let's find out what is sincere, what is true. Then verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle, so now he's reminding of what he wrote him, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Okay, so you go, well, then where am I supposed to live? Okay, so if that's all you read, you just pulled that verse, you'd say, well, that's absurd. I'd have to leave the planet. Keep reading the Bible. I wrote you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. I'm not telling you to get away from non-believers who live this way, but I am telling you at some point, you can't run around with believers who do not change. Now, ask yourself this question. Do you have any Christian friends that you do not spend time with anymore for the right reason? And I do. I still love them. If they called me today and said, dude, I've had enough of this life, I'd say, absolutely. I'll meet you for coffee, whatever you're going to do. I'm glad you're back. Let's keep moving. But I don't spend time with those people. You say, why not? Because the scripture says, don't do it. You say, well, they're out there by themselves. So was the prodigal son by his own choosing. But his life got so terrible, he decided to come home. They got to decide to come home. We say, well, that's pretty cruel. It's just the way it is. So let's go to the people of the world. I did not mean with the sexually moral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters since you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, in other words, a Christian, who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Don't even eat with him. You say, well, that's crazy stuff. You're judging them. You're making observations. You are going to get pulled in. You say, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Ephesians chapter 2 
So this, there's a lot of stuff in these three little verses. Two of them get quoted a lot, sometimes the three of them together. But this will help clarify what's up. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Paul writes to them, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay? So you say, how do you become a Christian? You say, well, I'm a good person. That has nothing to do with anything. As you've heard me say repeatedly, being good is never bad. It's just never good enough. It's not going to get you into heaven. You come to God and say, God, I'm trying to be a nice person. I get that that's not going to contribute at all to this. I cannot save myself. It's not me doing anything. It's what you've done. I accept that. You've given me the faith to believe. I accept this gift of eternal life, forgiveness of my sins. Come live in me. The second that happens, verse 10 kicks in. And what does it say? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you don't work your way into being a Christian, but the second you become a Christian, working out your salvation involves works, things that you do practically. We are his workmanship. He designed us for this purpose. And he is also, it says in that verse, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has a plan and he's got your day mapped out. This day, tomorrow, if you live another day, it's mapped out. He's got it planned for you to walk in it. So he's got your work schedule prepared. The question is, are you going to show up for work? You say, what are you talking about? I got my ticket to heaven and I'm just going to do what I want to do. And how's that working out for you? Where's your fulfillment? Where's your joy? Where's your peace? When's the last time you were persecuted or praised for being a Christian? When's the last time someone said, man, what's up with you? I want what you got. Who wants what we've got when we're just as screwed up as the world and we have to go to church? You poor people, dude, you look as mean and angry as I am and I can go to the lake and have my beers and you got to go to church and, you know, maybe get a shot glass of grape juice if you're lucky, you know, like I'm out. But then someone meets someone who figures this out. Their life is completely changed. They get it that God's trying to do something not just in them, but through them and use their life to change the world. And they meet you and they go, dude, I don't know what you got. I'm following you. I'm going where you're going. What are you eating? What are you smoking? What are you drinking? Like, what do you got? Because people are looking for life. They found all the death they need. They're looking for life. They know what will kill them. I saw a documentary the other day about some fentanyl or something that's coming out of China. And literally in the documentary, the DEA guy had rubber gloves on. They were in a room with a medic. This stuff is sealed, sealed, sealed in bags. But they said it is so lethal. Little pound looking bag. He said this bag right here will kill 150,000 people. He said this bag right here would kill 250,000 people. That lethal, that potent. And they said the people that make it sell it and advertise that it'll kill you. And you say, well, why would anybody buy that? Because that's what they're looking for. They want something so strong you can almost die taking it because they've taken everything else they can find and they don't get the high anymore. So they want something that takes them right to the edge. And that's the world we live in. And you can roll up on somebody and say, look, dude, all this stuff you're chasing is going to kill you. I got something to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. And when they're finally done, they say, what is it? And you tell them, his sweet name is Jesus. And you say, well, they're not going to believe that. You did. That won't change your life. Changed yours. So don't start thinking it doesn't work when you look in the mirror and know it does. Forgiveness, peace, joy. Ephesians chapter 5. So lest you think I'm just reading you random verses, this is replete in the scripture. Ephesians 5.18. And look how he describes them. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. 
Now see, this is a different thing. You say, well, Jesus is the light of the world. That's what it says. It says that, but it also says what else? You are the light of the world. You are light. So that means when we walk in a room, when we work at a place of business, when we go into the world, it is literally like the light comes on in a dark place. Now you say, well, if I'm the light of the world, why does nobody notice that? Go back to the verse in Matthew 5. Have you hidden your light under so much sin and junk that nobody can see the light? Get all that stuff off of you so the light shines. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all godliness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. It's amazing how you can change a dark room with a little light. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. And then one more over in Colossians chapter 4. And he gives them here, Paul again writing here to the Colossians, city of Colossae says, verse one, masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. If you go downtown Dallas, not too far from where we're meeting right here, Republic National Bank building, which was built in 1954, was 40 stories high, cost $25 million, the world's tallest building. It was faced in aluminum and glass, And if you go look at it, I was sitting downtown waiting on somebody one day, and I looked up at this bank building. If you look on it, on the top of the building, there's a 150-foot spire, and then some little round thing sitting on the top of that. So they built the building, and they want it to be the tallest in the world, taller than another building in town. So they put this spire, and then there's this round thing on top of it. As it turns out, that round thing is a half a billion, with a B, candle power beacon that you used to could see, and when airlines came into being and filled the air, used to, you could see that beacon for 120 miles from that spot. So strong that it was distracting to planes when they were flying, so they had to shut it down. How far can your light be seen? When's the last time somebody even noticed it? When you walk in a room, do you change the room or is everything the same? Jesus walked into a room, everything changed. You got Jesus, you walk in a room, everything changes. What you say is different. How things taste, it becomes tasteful. Is that you, is that me? And if not, why not? Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, 
the Contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. So some people back to my Corona light. Hey, well, you know what? I'm just an old beer bottle. I'm worthless. They should just throw me away. My fish joint didn't think so. Clean them up, put a different cap on it. We'll put it to use. We'll fill it with salt. They'll think it's just an old beer bottle, but they won't want to eat our food without it. So would you be willing to at least do that and say, Lord, I'll give you the old beer bottle of my life, trash to anybody else, but if you fill it with you, salt, make me light, I'll help you change the world. I'll be who you told me to be, and then out of that, I'll do what you told me to do. Even if I'm persecuted, even if I'm ridiculed, I know that's going to come with it. But I am your workmanship. This is what you made me to do, and you've gone before me and made a way for this to happen. So I'm in. And he reaches down and does what? Starts pouring you out. You say, I'm going to lose me. No, you're going to find you. Because that's how it works. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.